Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 has arrived. Stunningly transmissible. Very likely to be minor symptoms if you're vaccinated and boosted. The president sees Senator Manchin as somebody who is a longtime friend. We're ready to move forward and get this done. The mainstream media loves to mute anything that doesn't make the Biden administration look good. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views with Tom and Benny and Clark. Man, it feels cold out there. It's 46 degrees outside the studio, but uh, I just assumed it was snowing out there. Cold, rain, ugly. Any chance tonight? I don't think so. Got, I got, don't think so. But We it, have the two elements, moisture and cold weather. Yeah, well, who knows? The... Uh, it is the first day of winter, and it feels like it. Uh, by the way, looking down the road, it looks like uh, Christmas Day is going to be in the 60s and sunny. So if you're hoping for snow, if you're hoping for a white Christmas, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, I think it was tonight. Of course, the weather's going to be bad, but I think tonight was supposed to be a good night for uh, a big meteor shower. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Not probably, in eastern Carolina. Yeah, we won't see that. So uh, Cousin Eddie gets up to make his Omicron speech. Did you listen to any of it? <laughs> a little, as much as it I was, could it was stomach. just it was just the same rhetoric. Yeah. There was nothing new. I mean, they were going to send out uh, test kits. I guess they're going to mail test kits to everybody in the United States. Well, did I read it right? Five hundred million. Yeah. Uh, which, <sighs> and there was another story out today that the um, what are the 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 testing that they have been doing all along. The PCR test. The PCR test has got a 5% false positive rate. Mm. That's a lot. That's a big number. That's a big number. And again, you know, the further we get into this whole coronavirus thing, and I I realize you're making decisions on the fly, but uh, again, you know, things that we were told with absolute certainty just a few months ago, here's another one that, man, maybe not so much. Well, if if they say it's 5%, it's can, probably can more than that. It's probably yeah. more than that. They're trying and to make it look good. If you're making all your policy decisions and fear mongering decisions based on, you know, new positive cases, um, and you got a, a test that's five percent inaccurate. Oh yeah. Uh, that's oh yeah. A little bit. Now, because remember, uh, last spring, last summer, it was every day. There was the big announcement about how many more people right. tested positive. And now we find out, oh, well, maybe not. Never mind. Well, if you remember, and I, and I saw this firsthand, if you remember Elon Musk way back when, like, took four tests in one day and had, like, two positive and two negative. Well, LeBron James, they uh. just found out. He tested positive and then turned around and next uh, two tests he had, no, he was negative. Uh, Joe Biden got up and made the speech, and uh, he coughed and sneezed and wheezed through the whole speech. The whole speech. I'm not kidding. Now, what's interesting about this, so he gets up to warn everybody about the dangers of COVID. And, you know, this Omicron, he's, again, he just took it over the top. I mean, he first of all starts talking about it's highly contagious and you're going to end up in the hospital if you're not vaccinated and people that are vaccinated, you know, they're not going to be as sick. And then later on in the speech, yeah, there he is right there. All right, fine, Joe. Later on in the speech, he said, but it's, it's fairly mild. So what is it? But... But here's the thing. He's up there making this speech, telling about the horrors of COVID, 
And he was exposed to somebody that had COVID just two days ago uh, when he was down making that speech in South Carolina on the way back. Somebody in Air Force One tested positive for COVID, and he was exposed to the person. And uh, may I just say, oh, no, 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 I don't have, uh, no, I'm, I'm being, well, first of all, he says I'm being tested daily, which is a total uh, opposite of what um, Jen Psaki said. Psaki said that, uh, no, he's not going to get tested again until Wednesday. He said today I'm getting tested every day. And then he blamed it on his grandson, his uh, grandson who has a cold and he loves to kiss his grandpa, so. You know, this this whole mask thing from the mask police, the mask holes, whatever, the you, want, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, just like Biden today. I mean, whenever there's a press conference, and, just, and whether it's Cooper's press conference, whoever's at the microphone, they, they, they take off their mask to speak. And it, you know, of the only people in that room, they're the one that's projecting their voice. Heck, they should be wearing a mask, but they don't ever do it. You know, you take the White House press room, um, which is very, very small, and and Saki's up there talking the whole time without a mask. If this mask stuff was so important, They'd you would never take them it. off, right? And you wouldn't wear anything but a, you know, a KN95 mask or a respirator, not some you know mask that looks like, um, you know, w- while you're talking and and breathing, your glasses are fogging up from all. The- yeah. from everything coming keep, out of keep the masses spooked keep them uh it's a virtual sig- virtue yeah, signal exactly. is all it is and and we're the authorities you better obey us what was interesting cut one clark this is what biden said who was to blame for all the covid look the unvaccinated are responsible for their own choices but those choices have been fueled by dangerous misinformation on cable tv and social media you know, these companies and personalities are making money by peddling lies and allowing misinformation that can kill their own customers and their own supporters. It's wrong. It's immoral. I call on the purveyors of these lies and misinformation to stop it. Stop it now. Wow. <laughs> the purveyors of lies and misinformation. Is that rich? I mean, he epitomizes it. You know, he personifies it. <laughs> Good gracious. Yeah, if you disagree with Fauci, you must be a liar. Fauci, the guy that changes the story at least twice a week. That is the big red flag. The Mardi Gras with feet, a.k.a. <laughs> Reverend Wee Willie Barber. Who, who penned that term? I forget. It was, it was a good one. And it I was a listener. It. I think it was a listener to Henry Hinton, but it's a perfect description. The Mardi Gras with float. The Mardi Gras float with feet. <laughs> Uh, we, we Willie Barber, um, according to a, uh, appeal now, the, uh, state's appeal court ruled Tuesday that, uh, Willie Barber received a fair trial in 2019 on his conviction of trespassing charges. Jurors in that trial found, again, jurors. So he was found guilty by, uh, his peers which they must all have been large people um after he uh <laughs> buffet busters <laughs> jurors in that trial found barber guilty after he led a call in and response chant with roughly 50 people outside of phil Berger's office when staff complained about the noise the chief of the general assembly police repeatedly told barber to shut up well, he said lower your voice at trial barber told jurors he was using his preaching voice and he had the constitutional right to instruct legislators. 
The North Carolina Court of Appeals ruled that Barber's free speech rights were not violated by his arrest. This is not a case about free speech, wrote uh, wrote Judge Chris Dillon. It's a case about loud speech. While free speech is protected and the general uh, and the general assembly is public, the government still has the power to regulate the nature of free speech when it becomes unruly and disrupts others. The court ruled. And again, you know, this is the bottom line: is yeah, all these victims that are always complaining about my rights, my well, what about other people's rights that you're infringing upon? Quote, we hold that the interior, this is the judge speaking, we uh, hold that the interior of the General Assembly is not an unlimited public forum, Dillon wrote. Although important speech is conducted within the building, the building is not a quintessential community venue, such as a public street, sidewalk, or park. For his 2019 convention, Barber received a one-day sentence suspended, 12 months of unsupervised probation. This, guy, this was rough, right? Why would you appeal this? a $200 fine, and a 24 hours of community service. After the trial, we, Willie Barber, said, and I quote, this is much bigger than me. Mm, must be pretty big. It huh? must be pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> of, all the, of all the things to say, Willie, uh, yeah, it must be pretty big. His attorneys also pointed out uh, technical problems with the Superior Court trial. Long story short, Willie, uh, you were found guilty. You're loud and obnoxious. And uh, pay up, big boy. Pay up, big boy. Big boy. Uh, also, the News and Observer is reporting the North Carolina Court of Appeals ruled today that state government has the power to limit nuisance lawsuits against hog farms, rejecting an appeal from an environmental group in Duplin County. The nonprofit group Reach, R E A C H, and several others sued in 2019 after the General Assembly passed a series of amendments placing stricter rules on when and why agriculture and forestry operations could face legal actions. These amendments to the Right to Farm Act followed when North Carolina pork industry began losing millions in lawsuits over pollution and foul odors. Now, I understand when you're downwind, it can be a little odious. But bottom line is most of these hogs were there before the people were. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I believe in property rights. I, I mean, personally, I would not want a hog farm right next door to me and, and, and have to smell it uh, unless I'm getting a check for it. <laughs> but, um, you know, hey, if you don't like or if you want to protect something from being next to you, buy the property next to you. These, these lawsuits were, were frivolous. They just went out. Environmentalists. They, wackos and they went out first they went after small farmers because they knew they could outlawyer them i know personally people that they put in a bankruptcy over this mess and then you know then they went after the big boys simply for legal fees i mean lawyers from out of state and one notably out of texas coming to north carolina you know uh, suing a hog farm you know saying they basically put the hog farm there for racist reasons <laughs> i mean it's just it's just incredible and this is this is a good uh Good decision, and it's a good day for uh, for farming in eastern North Carolina. There you go. Uh, we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Uh, interesting op-ed on education. I want to get to that. And uh, the Biden administration, along with some help from members of Congress, are touting what a great year you had. You're, you're, oh, it's prosperity. Prosperity is just a great thing, and Joe Biden is all about it. Stay with us. We'll be back. require their workforces are 
fully vaccinated. Democrats call it. The right decision was necessary. It's not about freedom. Republicans call it. It's exactly about freedom. This unlawful man. Condescending to Americans. What happens next happens here with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. It is the uh, shortest day of the year, the winter solace. And uh, the first day of winter and the shortest day of the year. The good news is from here on till June 21st, the days will get longer, which uh, it's sort of nice going home in sunshine instead yeah. of the dark. Going to work in the dark and getting home in the dark is kind of yeah. not fun. No. Uh, taking a look at your weather forecast, rain tonight, uh, 90% chance of rain, possibly a half inch. Wednesday, a chance of rain in the early morning, then clears off. High tomorrow, about 54. Tomorrow night, a low around 29 with clear skies. Thursday, sunny, a high near 48. So all in all, after we get through tonight's rain, it won't be too bad. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. They boast an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining, an outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Stop by and see them. Last-minute Christmas gifts. They've got a pro shop full of apparel, golf equipment. Uh, Also, you can get rounds of golf and golf lessons for the golfer in your life for Christmas. Give them a call, 252-752-4653, or stop by. Be a part of the best, Greenville, uh, the best of Greenville, Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Uh, Don't hold your breath on this one. The Department of Homeland Security announced yesterday it will use border wall funds to close some of the unfinished gaps in the wall that Trump started. Joe Biden shut down all the construction when he took office in January the 20th. The materials have been sitting there gathering whatever. Um, The plan does not include any additional miles of wall, but would close gaps that remain from the prior construction. Now, don't hold your breath on this. The reason why I say that is they also re-implemented the Remain in Mexico policy. Mm-hmm. And apparently they've applied that to about three people total. <laughs> um, but it is interesting. Why would they be going back and reinstating, re-implementing Trump policies that a year and a half ago when they were running against Trump – they called them racist, xenophobic. Uh, you know, Donald Trump is an idiot. Why does he do these things? They're not going to work. It's terrible. It's he's separating families. And now, why are they re-implementing? I think plain and simple is they want to project the idea that they're doing something and they've done enough polling to realize people want this implemented. Now, I have no faith that they're actually going to implement it. But they're going to project. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're serious about this. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna patch up those holes in the wall. Yeah, I was about to say there's probably two reasons. Uh, could be one of two reasons. One, what you just stated. Uh, you know, across the United States, people kind of had enough, particularly the border states. Oh yeah, and that's not just Republicans. That's Democrats in those border states as well. Or they may just figure, hey. Two million people that we've let jump across the border unvaccinated since we uh, ended this policy. Maybe that's enough votes to swing the next election. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and, and the third, the third deal is uh, Governor Abbott of Texas and the Attorney General down there are starting to get some uh, positive feedback right. because they're saying, "All right, federal government not going to build the wall. We will." And and the thing about it, um, 
the the Democrats have been going after Texas very very hard. I mean, the full court press to take over Texas because if the Republicans lose Texas, the nation's lost. It's that's just plain and simple. That there there is no pathway to a presidential election electing a Republican president without Texas. And and and, my, and, you're and little, right. And I, little by little, they're chipping away. And people, you know, combined well, with people moving from California, people jumping across the border. Um, I mean, that you just compare the Trump election of twenty, um, this last election, the twenty sixteen, and then compare um, twenty what twelve. Uh, they've made a lot of ground in Texas. Well, is 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 this going to sway just a half of one percent of Texans? So, well, they're they're filling in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will reconsider. Yep. It, it, uh, yeah, those soccer moms, it might convince them. A Michigan Democrat claimed during a fundraiser Zoom call that the U.S. economy under Biden is flourishing. <laughs> Haley Stevens of Michigan not only claimed Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, that the American economy was doing great, but also said it was the best economic recovery that the U.S. has seen since the days of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> we have an economy that is flourishing. We have literally the best economy since FDR. These limousine liberals and gated community knuckleheads, they, they have no idea. Well, what's interesting about this, so she says this last Wednesday. Now, when were these talking points sent out? Because today, Axios is reporting that the Biden administration has been circulating a memo, which probably was last Wednesday. This this uh, gal got this to talk about on her Zoom call. The White House has been circulating a memo around groups titled 2021 President of the United States Delivered Results for Working Families and attempts to frame Biden's first year as a season of accomplishment. <laughs> now build back better just failed it's probably gone forever we hope uh one of the examples team biden used is the record number of americans who have received the covid19 vaccine shot bragging that when they took over only one percent of americans had received the vaccine and now 71 percent have received it well maybe it was because we didn't come up with a vaccine until last December. Just maybe that might be part of the issue. Additionally, the memo claims that the Biden administration has taken steps to bring prices down on consumer goods. Mm. <laughs> last week, it was reported that wholesale prices rose an astonishing 6.9% over the last year. Now, the thing about it is, I mean, how stupid do these, does the Biden administration think the American people are? I'm not saying that they're overly bright, but they do recognize that the price of a gallon of gas has gone up a buck fifty from a year ago. And, you know, beef, 20, 20 to 25% at least, pork about the same. Um, uh, bacon is up un, like 50% or something? Yeah, and eggs, 10%. Yeah. I mean, every, every, every measure, inflation is just run away. Just, it is, without a doubt. Biden's memo also bragged about his supposed economic success, such as low unemploy, uh, unemployment claims. Um, but what's interesting about that is, 16 of the top 20 states with the lowest unemployment are led by Republican governors. Mm. And those governors have also used open up the economy, don't let COVID-19 shut down our economy measures. 
and uh, basically the opposite of what Joe Biden wants. And they're the ones that are lead. So it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's well, that's all laughable. they got. It's it all they got. They've, all they've got is to, you know, have fear of COVID again and shut everything down, be dependent on the government and hope it can last to the next election so they can tell everybody, stay home. It's too unsafe to go vote. Mail in your ballot. That's that's their game plan. Jamal Bowman is a Democrat, African-American Democrat from uh, New York, and uh, he became the latest Democrat to attack Joe Manchin. Personal terms, uh, accusing him of not caring about African-Americans and other minority groups as a white man. So basically, he, this guy, Bowman, is calling Joe Manchin a white racist. The far-left progressive caucus member ripped Manchin on CNN over his opposition to Build Back Better and uh, saying he was tremendously frustrated and infuriated with the West Virginia Democrat. It went from $3.5 trillion to $1.75 trillion because him, his special interest, his donors, lobbyists, were cutting the bill for several months because they did not want to pass this bill. Why? Because this bill disproportionately supports people of color. It supports women. It supports children. It supports those who are poor and lifts them out of poverty. Why wouldn't Manchin want to support that, uh, would, that which would benefit West Virginia tremendously? It's tremendously frustrating for me as a black man in America because, once again, it's an example of Joe Manchin as a white man showing that he doesn't care about black people. He doesn't care about Latinos. He doesn't care about immigrants. He doesn't care about women. He doesn't care about the poor. He's a millionaire, and he has the privilege to kick the can down the road and not vote for this bill while the people in my district are suffering. But we went on to suggest that Manchin had been bought by lobbyists and that big money in Washington had to go or else we don't have a democracy. Left-wing host Laura Coates filling in for John Lemon or Lemon. Uh, on his nightly program, praise Bowman for his well-said and articulated remarks about what really is at stake here. Now, if this uh, Laura Coates had any brains at all, she would recognize that when inflation, uh, and it's it's begun to go up, but I don't think it's really hit the fan yet. And had, had Build Back Better passed, it would really have hit the fan. And who would be hurt the quickest and the most? The same people that this guy Bowman says he wants to uh, help. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's precisely why Joe Manchin said no. <laughs> you know, I've read some things Congressman Bowman has said uh, before this, and he's, you know, he's a member of the Democratic Socialists of America, which really, really is the Democrat Marxist of America, which now is the Democrat Party. Bingo. So, you know, he's, there he is. He's trying to segregate people by race saying something i mean imagine if imagine if manchin said something as racial towards him as that he just said right. to him i mean he doesn't know joe manchin right to be able to say that to say well this is a typical black man talking he, he pretty much just said joe manchin's a whitey yeah. i mean he he, he called him a, a, a whitey a rich whitey that don't care about anybody is what he said and cnn applauds the comments oh, yeah. they clap like seals for people throwing fish, you know, when you're at SeaWorld and the uh, seal jumps up clapping, waiting for the throw of the next fish, that's what CNN does for these Marxist Democrats. Interestingly, an op-ed by a gentleman by the name of Kyle Salmon in the Federalist today really t- 
takes home the point that what guys like Bowman want are, are, are the worst thing for the people that he says he has compassion for. Now, this deals with education, but you can connect the dots and see the carryover. Salmon writes, a century ago, America began a new era in education known as the high school movement. It was not a mandate imposed from Washington, but a widespread series of local efforts. In 1910, just 9% of American youth earned a high school diploma, but by 1935, 40% did. Expanding education that much was not cheap, but the country was growing more prosperous. Leading figures in communities across the nation wanted to see that prosperity spread out and multiplied. The high school movement meant progress for American families, giving kids of every background a chance to better themselves. But simple credentialing would not accomplish that. These new or expanded high schools had to teach people something useful, not just warehouse them for four years and then print out a diploma. The expanded education system was designed to prepare millions of American kids for the working world, offering both academic and vocational education. It worked. By the way, one of the worst things we ever did was take vocational education out of our high schools. Preparation for life meant holding young men and women to real standard. It's hard to look at modern public high schools and say that those standards remain intact. The current version of the high school ideology is now demanding that educational achievement take a back seat to racial quotas and that standards be reduced or even eliminated. Since taking office in 2014, Bill de Blasio has been working to demagnetize the magnet schools because he disapproved of their racial, racial balance. Now, remember, the magnet schools were basically uh, the, the schools for the kids that were really academically gifted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the de Blasio School of Diversity Advisory Group. Can you, can you believe that there's actually a group named that? The de Blasio <laughs> School Diversity Advisory Group recommends the elimination of ability and performance screening for pupils and condemns, are you ready for this, condemns attendance and punctuality metrics as exclusionary against blacks and Latinx, those applicants. What a racist statement. <laughs> Calling it exclusionary to require students to show up on time is a part of the weird anti-racism of our time that invokes harmful stereotypes and is used to be uttered by only used to be only uttered by racist. But more than that, the plan to remove standards will make it impossible for prospective employers and colleges to know that a graduate's diploma means anything at all. In Oregon, Governor Kate Brown and Democrats there in the state legislature have gone even further in dumbing down high school. Blaming COVID-19, Democrats effectively removed any standards for high school graduation. As the Oregonian uh, noted in August of 2021, earlier this year, when Brown signed the bill into law, an Oregon high school diploma will no longer guarantee that the student who earned it can even read it or write or do math at a high school level. Brown signed the bill in private, quietly acknowledging the shame of the thing. When her staff finally did speak to reporters on the subject, they used the same bizarre racial justifications that de Blasio's committee did. In an email statement, Charles Boyle, Brown's deputy communication director, said that suspending the reading, writing, and math proficiency requirements would benefit Oregon's black, Latino, Latina, Latinx, 
indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islander, tribal, and students of color. Again, what a racist comment. Absolutely. Now, after pushing kids away from vocational education in past decades, public schools watered down the academic qualifications so much as to make them meaningless. In 2000, Governor George W. Bush called this sort of condescending attitude the soft bigotry of low expectations. Bingo. That bigotry has taken over the progressive movement. Students will be stuck in a system that expects nothing of kids and abolishes standards rather than helping kids live up to them. Meanwhile, the elite locks uh, the, the elite locks in generational power by choosing to help their advance further. Sounds like the end result is a two-tier society. And look, the caste system is here. And if you thought segregation bad before, it's worse now. You know, segregation, I, I'm not promoting segregation. I'm not saying that at all. But when we previously were going through segregation decades ago, the, the, there was morals that everyone in the United States, for the most part, followed. And the, the American family unit, whether it be white or black, was intact. Mm. It was intact. N- now we have no families, and now we're going to have no training that will help anybody along the way. And again, guys like this, this Representative Bowman, who wants to blame everything on racism, this is the kind of garbage that he is promoting. How in the world is this going to help anybody in the minority community, anybody that's poor that wants to help them get, get them a, a leg up? This is unbelievable. I mean, the destruction of the nuclear family particularly in the black community, but also now in the, in the white, white community, community in the last 50 years, is the single number one cause for our problems in America today yeah. and and getting yeah. away from Christian values. And, and then these guys here, like Bowman and uh, de Blasio, I mean, de Blasio – well, all the woke, uh, yeah, all the wokes. Yeah, you look at his background. I mean, he's just he's just a Marxist. There's no other way to talk about him. I mean, his background, he, got, he has deep Marxist roots. But um, – this, educa- this education system, I mean, they're, they're trying to segregate education again now, really, is what they're doing. And to say that people of color cannot do this, you know, uh, you know, math, reading, and writing at the same level, if they can't do it at the same level, it's because they've had failing public schools, failing Democrat policies. It doesn't have anything to do with their skin color. And see- it's because the Democrat machines and it's failed them. And the progressive Democrat ones are the same ones that dream against a voucher program or a credit program out of public to a private education. And when when people come along and say, hey, you know what, this might be a good idea to give these poor people a choice, who fights it? It's not the conservatives that are fighting it. It is the progressives, the unions, the woke crowd. It's the people that have power over them, and they don't want to lose it. You know, it's That's what it boils down I was to. at a I was at a Christmas get together the other night, and I met a gentleman who was raised in communist China, and uh, he got a scholarship to uh, university uh, up in Canada, and he since has come down to the United States. He's actually now a Canadian citizen. But what was really interesting, he, he we talked about a number of issues, but this kind of issue. He, he said, this is right out of the communist Marxist oh, playbook, yeah, right is. out of the playbook. Divide, yep. divide, and conquer. And yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and to take it a little bit step further is that, it's, um, you know, when you go back to uh, communist Russia, communist Soviet Union, all the way back to Lenin, I mean, they were, they were dividing people by classes. 
and well they've tried to do that in the united states for the last 75 years and they've discovered well it's easier to divide by race because we have a melting pot of people that don't look like each other and that's the only way we can do is divide by race and that's the democrat party's platform plain and simple bingo and it and it's evil i'll call it what is it's evil stay with us we'll be right back This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in 17 minutes before the top of the hour. And we're talking about education before the break. Just the news reported earlier this week, an instructor at Watkins Elementary School in Washington, D.C. told third graders to reenact scenes from the Holocaust including directing the children to stimulate shooting victims and digging mass graves of their classmates. This according to a letter from the principal and interviews with parents. The instructor has been placed on leave pending an investigation after allegedly assigning specific roles to students. One child, reportedly a Jewish student, was tasked with playing Adolf Hitler and asked at the end of the exercise to pretend to commit suicide as Hitler did, according to the letters and interviews the Washington Post did with parents. I want to acknowledge the gravity of this poor instructional decision, as students should never be asked to act out or portray any atrocity, especially genocide, war, or murder, wrote Scott Berkowitz, the school's principal, in an email to parents. And what, and what state was that in? I was in Washington, D.C. Ah, okay. Which, uh, yeah, you would, I, I guess, suppose that would come from there. But, uh, wow. <laughs> what, 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 what are these people trying to prove? I mean, uh, I, again, I, are we just trying to, any, any way possible, let's just destroy the system. I'd like to see the chain of command of who approved that to happen you know well and again these teachers they uh oh yeah well that person we're going to take it under review Mm. that person has been put on leave probably a paid leave and it's under review and then suddenly the person is back in the classroom again yep never nothing ever happens another nothing ever happens uh something might happen if the republicans and i think and i hope they do uh take over the house and the senate at least in the House, Kevin McCarthy is already outlining very specific investigations he will start when they take over as the majority in the House. Axios reported McCarthy has begun mapping out aggressive probes that will put the Biden administration to task for its last two years. So far, the list of issues that McCarthy wants to investigate includes seven major points. The IRS leak of billionaires' tax information to ProPublica, the NSA, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, border problems, school boards and parents, the handling and origins of the COVID pandemic, and the Jetty contract, a cloud computing contract. Uh, so he's all right. You know, he'll they'll probably campaign on this. <laughs> now um, I hope he goes after Eric Swalwell. Oh yeah, and Adam Schiff. What's the yeah Adam Schiff? What what's the what's the Chi- what's the Chinese person that Swalwell had a little rendezvous with? Oh yeah, they they were doing the horizontal shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, she's back in China now. Hmm. I mean, she was a commie all the way. I guess she got all the information she needed out of yeah. Well, Swalwell. when they when 
it became public that uh, he was doing the dirty deed, they uh, <laughs> they took her back. Tucker Tucker Carlson has been all over him, <laughs> rightly to, so. To the to the point of. Uh, I guess he's got some. He's got. I guess he's got some information because some of the things he says, like borderline slanderous, which may, may be true. I mean, he must have. Maybe some, he's trying to tease him to hey, uh, hey, take me to court and let's see what happens. Yeah, let's let's how, see how discovery goes in this process. <laughs> uh, parallel to that story, the Epic Times is reporting. It looks like the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign will be called to testify in court cases stemming from a probe of the Russia Trump counterintelligence investigation according to a recent court filing the disclosure from john durham the special counsel's team came as they tried to convince a judge to explore potential conflicts of interest involving attorneys danny onarato uh, uh, onarato and Stuart sears who are representing igor danchenko Danchenko was indicted by a grand jury last month. He lied to the FBI agents when asked about information regarding Christopher Steele and the dossier. The uh, two attorneys work at a law firm that also employs a lawyer that represents the 2016 Clinton campaign and former employees of that campaign campaign in matters before the special counsel. They say this is going to present a um, potential conflict of interest. Now, what's interesting about this is they're going after Danchenko, and you've got somebody else defending the uh, Clinton presidential campaign. And what they're saying is, you know what, if we get into a situation where there's some plea bargaining, uh, this could this would be an obvious conflict. You know, if, if you agree to testify against so-and-so, then we'll drop these charges and blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, the, the, the John Durham's folks are saying this is obviously a conflict of interest. But if you connect the dots, to me, that would say if the John Durham folks are saying, yeah, we could see this presenting a, a conflict of interest if we want to make a deal, tells me that either they've really got the goods on the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign or and or Danchenko. I, I think they got the goods because, in, I mean, for the longest time, the Clintons have been so solid. Except for their little master's class that they're supposed to be teaching now on something on, on the internet, but they've been very quiet for some time, and I just think there's I think there's some some things that they know that's going on that John I think John Durham's on top of it because look with this law firm, uh, you know the lawyers are pretty uh, they're pretty pretty good at not saying the wrong things and and at the wrong time and that type of thing, but. Go after the paralegals. You know there are some paralegals that made copies, prepared documents. Go after them and see if they don't turn some evidence. What's what's really interesting about this, though, Danchenko had uh, other lawyers. And it was just within less than 30 days ago, he wanted to drop his current lawyers and he wanted to go with these other two lawyers whose firm was representing the clinton presidential campaign now oh, what a coincidence yeah mm. oh my yeah i'm sure there was nothing nefarious about that right yeah i've seen that in action before locally i won't go any further but <laughs> we gotta take a time out things. stay with us when we got back when we get back we've got a good beetlejuice story for you stay with us
back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Remember back last year when uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter were burning down cities and... Uh, the summer of love. Yeah, the summer of love. And Chicago was no exception. And Donald Trump offered federal assistance to Beetlejuice, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor up there. <laughs> and she said, uh, what we do not need and what will certainly make our community less safe is secret federal agents deployed to Chicago. She added, please stop with the rhetoric and find the moral courage to simply support the needed actions listed above. And then she lists a bunch of progressive agenda items for Trump to implement. Uh, well, guess what Lori Lightfoot has now done uh, asking the Biden administration for? Yeah, she has uh, sent a letter to Merrick Garland and uh, said, hey, could you please send us some ATF agents? <laughs> uh, we really need some help. Uh, we really need to put down the, the gangsters and the gangs and uh, all the bad guys that are shooting up our city. You know, it's... Um, it's interesting to ponder, Lori Lightfoot has so sold her soul to the progressive agenda. I mean, she's so invested in it. Would she really abandon the progressive agenda and uh, actually try to protect the, the citizens of uh, Chicago? Not if it jeopardizes her political future in the Democrat Party. Absolutely not. But again, she's looking at the poll numbers, and again— She's turning to conservative ideas. What Donald Trump suggested a year ago, she's now embracing. Yeah, I think it was was either Oregon or Washington, that very vocal um, city council person uh, about defunding the police. I mean, just this week or last week came out and said, uh, maybe defunding the police is not the best. Yeah. <laughs> was you, the best idea. Gee, what a genius. <laughs> yeah. WRAL is reporting a Bible verse in a North Carolina sheriff's uh, uh, office. According to some, a watchdog group saying this is violating the First Amendment. A national watchdog organization is asking for a North Carolina sheriff to remove a Bible verse from the walls of its office. It was in the hallway of Columbus County Sheriff's Office. Large Bible verse. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 uh, the Freedom From Religion Foundation. That, I think that's Mikey Weinstein. He's always after everything. Uh, I think that's the one that went after Greenville, saying the prayer city council. Yeah, a few you're years right. It's it yeah. exactly the one. Anyway, the sheriff down there said, uh, I don't think so. I don't think we're taking it down. Good for that sheriff. Absolutely. Congratulations to Sheriff Green and uh, Lieutenant Justin Worley, who uh, says, No, we're keeping it. Hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. See you then. Bye bye, everybody. All right, all right.